0: This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins from my Bible Training Center, Nigeria. Uh,
1: Acts chapter 26, verse 18. It says, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God. What do you think that word power means? Exusia. All right. To God. That they might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now I already gave you uh, uh, Ephesians chapter one where it says, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, that word exousia is there. We have authority over any kind of legal right that Satan would want over us. In Ephesians 3, verse 10, it says, To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in what? Heavenly places. So in other words, something that needs to be manifested within the church, and that the 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 other powers, uh, principalities and powers, that word there, exousia, is there. Okay, in heavenly places, and then in Ephesians chapter six, uh, six verse twelve, it says, "For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers." And here again, the word exousia is listed there. uh, Against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Um, Amen. I hope I'm not boring you. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give you a firm foundation and just keep coming coming at it and coming at it and coming at it. And all of a sudden, it's going to dawn on us. Wait a minute. I'm tired of being pushed down in life. Okay? I'm tired of being put down. I'm going to move on up with God. Amen? It's good to push back. I said it's good to push back. Amen? Now, as uh, I'm a father, Uh, my son is uh, 27 now. Uh, He can pretty much handle things in life himself. But when he, was long, you know, when he was little, there's occasionally a couple things that he ran into he couldn't handle. So I helped him. Mm-hmm. I just helped him a little bit. Not much, because he's got to learn how to handle things himself. But when he's young and you've got somebody bullying a little child, and if that person bullying my child is another adult, that adult has got a problem now. Yeah. And he's called Dave Beebe never bothered me a bit when it came to my children. Okay, that if uh, somebody was trying to harm them or uh, didn't bother me a bit to stand up for my child. Can I ask you a question? If you're walking with your wife and some other man comes up and starts to put their hands all over your wife, are you gonna sit there and say, sir, would you please not do that? But Brother Bibi, I wouldn't want to offend anybody. Yes. We need more men that are going to be men. Yes. Hello? Hi. I remember driving up uh, uh, one time. I had to pick up my daughter. At this time, she was seven, eight years old. And um, I pulled up to the school Around there in in, uh, Broken Arrow, where she was going to school at that time, and I pull up, and there's this, an adult, a big, tall man, big, screaming at my daughter, and she, he's just like this. He's up there like this, and there was another little girl there, same age as my daughter, and he was screaming, and they're like this, they're they're just like just totally in fear. Well, I couldn't park my car fast enough. Okay, I found a spot, and very busy, you know. And so by the time I got out of my car and walked back across the street and had to, you know, walk up this hill t- towards the school, I'm looking around, and I can't see my daughter. And I, so I, you know, then I saw her coming up from where I saw her before, and she's coming up, and she's just, she's just full of tears. And I said, uh, Dana, are you all right? And she's crying. She gives me a big hug, Daddy, Daddy. I said, Well, what? What's, who was that man? And then she told me that he was one of the teachers at the school. I said, What's his name? And so, um, and I'm giving you this example because I think a lot of us are tired of getting pushed around. Now this isn't a natural thing, but when it comes to spiritual things, stop being pushed around by the devil. He's just a bully. Okay, and how do you deal with a bully in the natural? You stand up to him, and it doesn't matter how big they are, okay? Amen. Amen. So uh, anyway, uh, I went up found this man. The closer I got to him, I didn't realize how big he was. Uh, he was like six foot four, real big. He was the athletic coach and of the thing. A very big man. And, uh, but I got right in his face. And I started, I won't, I won't give you the same tone because I want you to think I'm a nice guy. <laughs> but now you're talking about my baby girl. So being around uh, long enough, I realized that uh, teachers are taught uh, to address certain things that the parents do wrong, and they have certain words that they use. So I turned those around, used every phrase I could find in my memory and used them on him. Of course, it was in front of about eight other teachers that were out there with the students at the end of the day. And I started out, who do you think you are? What were you doing yelling and screaming and threatening my daughter? And his response is, well, who are you? I said, I am her father. Uh, And then I just said this real loud. Did you touch her? And that's when his, his legs were starting to go like this. I just see him. He's just like that. Now, I'm mad. Okay? I know we're not supposed to be that way as Christians. You know what I'm talking about. We want everyone to think we're just always walking in love and faith. But that's my daughter. Yes. And she didn't need me to stand back and say, In the name of Jesus. Hello? Now I'm not saying this for you to go out and get in a fist fight with somebody. Do you understand what I'm talking about? But how many know there's sometimes that you push back? Yes. Okay? And I've learned over the years in dealing with people, I don't care if it's government officials, it doesn't there are some times then you have to push back. Okay, I don't have time to teach you all that, but uh, there are times when you just say when you come up with people with attitudes, and you're tired of getting pushed around? You push back. Whether it's on the telephone or in person, I say, sir or ma'am, uh, what is your full name please? Who is your supervisor? Who do you answer to? Because that's where I'm going next. Okay, you learn some things. Then why wouldn't we do that spiritually? How many are tired of the devil just holding you down? Yeah. He sits there and lies to you. He tells you things that aren't true. That you're not going to get your healing. You're not going to receive this. That you're always going to have to deal with this certain sort of thing in your life. Your whole life. And we sit back and go, maybe I'll have to deal with this my whole life. It's time to push back a little bit. Healing belongs to you. I said healing belongs to you. It belongs to you. But here's the case. Here's here's something. Stop trying to get healed. Receive it. Stop trying to get it somehow. Just begin to believe it's already mine. The work's already been done. Amen. Stop trying to get it. God already sees you as being that. Hello? How many of you are in Christ Jesus? Yeah. How many are seated together in heavenly places in Christ? You really believe that? You really believe it? Amen. So this morning when you woke up, you were in Christ Jesus, is that right? Did you know at the same time when God looked at you, he saw Jesus, and when he saw Jesus at his right hand... He saw you. How much sickness and disease does Jesus have in his body today? And that's exactly how much you have. Zip, it's not... this tabernacle right here. Okay. The Shekinah glory of God. It'd be wonderful if we... uh, We could actually see into this and what it actually looked like at that time. There would have been gold everywhere. Can you imagine what the air would have been like in the presence of God there? The high priest going in, of course they had to tie a rope to him too. (laughs) That's when your ministry comes to an end. The bells stop ringing, you know what I'm talking about? When the bells stop, they drag him out, you know. Next. How would you like to be in that line? What happened to him? Well, he had sin in his life. And you're going in next. Yeah. Can you imagine the awesome thinking that those early Jewish believers had? Okay. Now just think about some of these things. They knew the history of just being in the presence of God and you had sin in your life. Yeah, it could be a short life, is that right? Yeah. Well, can I ask you something else? In this place here, do you think there's any germs floating in the air, creeping and crawling on the walls? Do you think he had a little bit of whatever over there? You know, leukemia, just any of the... You think anything had got in there and just said, nobody knows I'm here. Do you think anything like that would be in the place where God dwelt with his presence? No, never. God left that habitation, and he left Solomon's temple. Do you remember that? When the temple was torn, or when the, the curtain was torn from top to bottom by the way all right it was torn God's presence left there where did he take up residence and God thinks that this is a far better place to be than just some tabernacle in the wilderness and some room someplace amen so if no germs were allowed in that tabernacle what about this temple And that's why we have to push back. In the name of Jesus. Push all sickness, all disease. Keep pushing back. Now, you're going to have times. I have them too. You'll have things come on you. You know what I'm talking about? You'll have some marvelous opportunities. Okay? To be be sick. But you've got to push back. I said you've got to push back. Okay? And that's where we get into dominion. I'm going to jump ahead here a little bit. There's another word that you run into when you do some study. uh, When you see uh, where the kingdom of God is, everyone say kingdom. Kingdom. When you think of a kingdom, what do you think of? Because I'm going to tell you what I think of. Okay? A A kind of a palace. You think of walls, maybe? You think of maybe a moat around it? You just think of... But if you'll study where the word was translated for the kingdom of God is come unto you, that word for kingdom would have better been translated by the word reign or Rule. And you have to study it out. There's many theologians that said kingdom is a little misleading because a kingdom looks like a physical residence. But when kingdom is mentioned, it means the reign and rule of God or the dominion of God, the authority of God. Somebody had said authority earlier, and that's correct. Do you see that? One of the words that's used there is Basilica. Basilea is actually what it is, but that's the word we get for basilica. Have you ever heard of that word before? Yes. Yeah, there's a place in Rome called the basilica, is that right? Yes. But it, it, it's a place of God's dominion. So whenever you see the word kingdom, amen, I know there's a lot of Christians trying to live like kings because of the same teaching. Well, then I should be a king and people should wait on me. Yeah, we're waiting on you, all right? Waiting on you to grow up. It's a wonderful day when you finally grow up as a Christian and find out it's not just all about me. Amen. Amen. Oh, it's a wonderful day. If our prayer lives were accurate, we would spend a lot more time praying for other people than we do for our own things. Thank you for your enthusiasm there. <laughs> I had a student one time try to challenge me. Right after class, I'd made mention of something. And so we would have different class sessions. I'd have a bunch of students, maybe 20, 30 at times. It was the, the last hour of the day, especially. And they'd want to ask some questions or whatever. And so I'd stay around, and this one young man was very Outspoken, And so he was trying to take something that I had said concerning the prayer of faith. All right. And what I said about prayer of faith is that you can pray one time. Whatsoever things you desire. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you should have them. It's talking about things there. Is that right? Things. It's not talking about people. But you can pray for things and receive them when you pray. Amen? Well, this young man said, well, you said that, but the the Bible teaches that we should continually ask. And so I, because he was loud about it, I spoke up so everyone could hear. I said, so then what you're saying is that when you get up in the morning, then you, you ask God for your what? Coffee and your breakfast and you ask him for what? Everything? He said, every day I do it. And so I kept asking questions, and he said, every day, he says, I I ask God for everything. Everything. I said, I have just one more question. How much time do you spend praying for other people? And his head just went down like this. And then he said, I don't have time to pray for other people. Well, he need to grow up a little bit. Amen? There's a lot of people that are acting like kings. I don't mind if you act like that if you're dealing with the enemy. Amen? You have dominion over the enemy. You have dominion over everything else. But when it comes to brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, you're not going to be known by your dominion over them. You'll be known by your love towards them. And that's what you'll be judged by. At the judgment seat of Christ, you'll be judged. Were you faithful to do what he called you to do? And number two, did you walk in love while you did it? I've actually uh, determined in certain places, in certain times, with certain ministers, once I saw how they treated their staff and how they treated their family, I determined I would never go back to that church again. Because he wasn't a true pastor. He was trying to be a king. Okay? It's far better to be known by how much you love people. You're welcome. Just trying to help you out a little bit. All right, let me... uh, Let me find something here. In Colossians chapter 2, I'm just bouncing around here giving you some scripture. 15, having disarmed, this is a different translation, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Amen. Let me put some scriptures together. I had a good laugh one day because some scriptures kind of came together um, for me. Uh, That scripture that we read earlier where it says that I beheld Satan fall from heaven as lightning. I was thinking about that. And then he said uh, in another place, he says, I only do the things that I've seen my father do. And that's why he went around Casting out devils, is that right? And what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be imitating our Father, is that right? We're supposed to be doing the works of Jesus. I'm amazed at these books that come out about evil spirits, that when you're done reading them, you have more fear of the devil than you have faith in God. I know one book came out years ago, it was so popular. It was popular everywhere. And it's pretty much as... uh, There's a devil there, there's a devil there, there's a devil there. Here's a devil, there's a devil, everywhere's a devil, devil. That's what the book was all about. And it was fiction. But in this, an angel of God had to sneak into this earth. In the middle of the night, during a thunderstorm, so he would remain undetected. He had to sneak in. Because he had a message he was going to bring to a Christian, and but the devil or but this angel from God had to just come in and just you know sneak his way in. And somebody asked me about that. A student asked, "What about that book?" I said, uh, uh, "What what part of the library are you going to find that in? Fiction or nonfiction?" They said it would be fiction. I said, "Then it's fiction. Exactly. It's not true." it's not true. I said it's not true. true. Amen. Amen. If anybody's afraid, it would be a spirit of fear. You read these books, they say, well, you've got to talk to these devils and find out what their name is. (laughs) Are you kidding me? They're, they're all lying spirits anyway because they're, they're not going to tell you the truth. If their name is George, they're going to tell you their name is what? Michael. Are you listening to me? There's all this whole team. Well, you have to know their names. You have to know if they're unclean. They're all unclean. Well, you have to know if it's a dumb spirit. They're all dumb. Hello? You don't have to know their names. The only name that has to come up is the name of Jesus, spoken in faith. Yeah, I've seen all kinds of remarkable things along that line. Whoa. Yeah. But I don't put on a big thing. I mean, if I have to put on something just outstanding, like, you know, I'm giving that devil some sort of respect, like, well, I have to speak up, I have to... No, no, no. You can whisper. And he has to obey. That's the dominion that we have. That's the reign and the rule that we have. All right. Let me, um, I'm just bouncing around. I want to get over to the place where I'm going to be talking to you about the name of Jesus. And I have to go down here. And then I'm going to come back. I think on the tape, Brother Hagin will probably talk to you about the four por- uh, portions of Scripture where he had a discussion with the Lord that because he was expecting. Do you remember uh, the one time where the evil spirit got in between? Is that on that tape? Is that on that video? Have you seen that yet? You read about it? You about- and then he gave four, Jesus gave him four accounts that if, if, if we don't do something as believers, God can't do anything. Okay, so uh, I suggest that you uh, the study those out. I might come back to those. that's I've seen my, my notes right here. And um, I want to get down I apologize. I should have had this all printed out. I was writing an article one time um, is based on a message I was doing in my church at that time. And uh, the name of the article that I wrote was called The Matchless Name of Jesus. I couldn't get away from that word matchless. It's not used all the time anymore. Um, it's, but uh, as I was preparing, I thought, gee, I wonder what that word matchless means, because I couldn't get away from that. And because there was also an article that I was writing uh, for a magazine, um, I looked up the word matchless. And this is what it means it means without equal. It means beyond compare, unrivaled, unparalleled. It means perfect. It means unique, Uh, unsurpassed. It means supreme. Exclusive Peerless I like that word peerless There's no peer It means superior if I haven't said that already Superior The matchless name of Jesus The matchless name of Jesus The matchless name of Jesus When I'm I'm listening to preachers I listen for that name to be mentioned Yeah do you know people could teach for a long time and not ever mention Jesus' name? Uh, I remember one pastor, he said that uh, years ago, it was Pastor John Osteen. Do you remember him? He's in heaven now. Uh, but he was at a minister's meeting, I think in Houston, and they asked him to, uh, to say the blessing over the meal. But then they said... When you pray, don't use the name of Jesus when you pray. Because that will offend people. Because we have ministers here that, uh, we have Jewish rabbis here, we have from other, and if you mention the name of Jesus, you will offend him. I still go back and listen to his tapes because he had something to him. Now John Osteen was about that tall. Just a smaller man, but he was just filled with grit. You know what I'm talking about? He was a pusher. Okay? One of the sweetest men I have ever met and talked to. And I had occasion over the years to, to speak with him. And uh, Just a sweet man. A very sweet man. He was a pastor of 20,000 when you know, I visited his church. And uh, it, it seemed like he knew everybody in his church but he was a soul winner. His heart was for missions. I don't know if you knew that about him. Missions. Uh, back there, every year in the fall, they would bring all these missionaries and their families back from the mission field and put them up for a week for a conference and paid all their, their expenses. Isn't that good? And the speakers that came in during that week was Brother Hagen. Brother Copeland, Fred Price, and just ministering to missionaries. What a great vision. Amen? Because usually missionaries have to come off the field and try to raise money to go back. That doesn't sound like an army to me, does it to you? Can you imagine saying to your army, um, okay, you're in the army, uh, start earning money because you're going to have to buy your own weapon. You're going to have to purchase your own tickets. You're going to have... That'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? And yet we treat people on the front lines, yeah, they're the ones that should be supported, and yet you've got other people that brag on how many Rolls Royces they have. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me. Keep five Rolls Royces, give the rest to me. I'll sell them quickly. And 100% of that money will go into reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what you could do with that money? Yeah. Just if you went to a village someplace that had never heard the, the gospel preached, you could go in there and feed them for a week or two. And while they're, while they're enjoying the provision, you could just preach Jesus to them. It, it wouldn't be hard, would it? No, no. All right. Uh, what story was I telling you?
0: Uh,
1: yeah, John. He just had an attitude to him. He was told not to pre- or pray in the name of Jesus. He said that when he got up to pray, this is how he started. Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you for this food. He said, because I heard him share this in person, I heard it. He said he preached Jesus on top of the plate and under the plate. (laughs) On top of the table, under the table. He said he used the name of Jesus as many times as he could. Yeah? And he says, and we thank you in Jesus' name. He went and sat down, and uh, the, the people that told him not to do it, they were glaring at him. But on the way out, on the way out, the rabbis that were there visiting went over and met him and said, thank you so much for saying that, for how you spoke that prayer. They said, we could really sense the presence of God when you prayed. Why are we ashamed of the name? How can we be ashamed of this name? All right? The early church was not ashamed. Okay? It was not ashamed. But this, uh, uh, I was taught early on, and I still teach it to this day. I found out that other people teach this exact same way that apparently we have the power of attorney. Do you know what that means? I had to look it up way back when, when I first heard it, that we had the power of attorney and people have studied this over the years, it appears that Jesus gave us the power of attorney to use his name. And that, what it means, the power of attorney is a written authorization to represent or act on another's behalf in private affairs, business affairs, or some other legal matter. Is that too long, too fast? Power of attorney is a written authorization to represent or act on another's behalf in private affairs, business affairs, or some other legal matter. Again? A power of attorney is a written authorization to represent or act on another's behalf in private affairs, business affairs, or some other legal matter. Okay? If some of you didn't get all of it, just ask somebody else for that. Now, now that I've said that, and I do believe that we have the power of attorney, I've got to prove it to you. It's not enough to say, okay, you have the power of attorney. First of all, you have to know what that means. Okay? You have to know what it means. But it has to be a written authorization. In other words, we have to go to the book, The Will of God, and see for sure if we have the right to use the name of Jesus. So would you like me to prove that to you? Because I told you, you can go out of here knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you speak the name of Jesus, you have authority in that situation. Okay? I had a, uh, we had a family that, uh, friends of ours still to this day, they were a very snowy day in Michigan, and they were driving as careful as they could, but the road on the other side, the car's coming the other way, Somebody lost control, and this very large car was coming at them at a, at a, large, a very fast rate of speed, coming right at them. And uh, the wife said all they had time to do, because all of a sudden this car is right right at them from here to the chair, at a full rate of speed. And they said, when it dawned on them what was going on, because it was very snowy and it was hard to see, all they said was, Jesus! They said the wife and, and the husband said it the same. Jesus! And the car coming at him went stopped. It actually, it went right up like this and stood on its end. And they passed right underneath it, as they're still driving, passed right underneath it, and uh, and that car went down as if somebody let it down, like putting a baby down in a bed. Just nobody was hurt. Pretty good, isn't it? But you have to have faith in the name. Acts chapter three, verse six. When is our bell gonna happen? I got one minute till the first bell? Or one minute till all? Just one minute? I rebuke that. No. I've got a feeling I don't have authority here. I don't have authority. I won't push it. But Acts chapter 3, I'll I'll start up here when we get back because I want to show you some things about the name that you may not have thought of. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I... Neither do I have the time. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Evidently, Peter believed... Peter believed that he had the right to use the name of Jesus and that it belonged to him. So this is just one bit of evidence that I'm producing to you. He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Peter, one of the foundational uh, uh, apostles, he believed and acted like what he had was the name of Jesus.
0: For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.